Coming up on this week's show, we talk to Macy Blake about wrapping up her series, The Chosen One. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 225 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Holly Mac for joining us. We'll have more information on how you can join them at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Well, someone I know has some new release news. This week, I released two books. I got somewhere in Mackinac back out in ebook that is essentially my love letter to Mackinac Island, Michigan and the film Somewhere in Time. I have two guys who meet up during the Somewhere in Time fan weekend, which is an actual event that happens on the island in October to celebrate the film. And I I love this story so much and I'm so glad it's back out and it is in KU for the first time. So those Kindle Unlimited readers can go pick that up. I also released Dancing for Him. This story Originally came out in 2010 under the title of The Dancer and Sexy Big Man, which is probably the worst title I've ever stuck on a book in my life. It's pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> you let me do it, though. <laughs> I did for some... God, I have no idea why I let that happen. Yeah, it was kind of weird. This The story's been out in paperback, available for some time, but I had been using this as uh, kind of a freebie to give away to folks who were on my email list. And as I've been kind of going through and restructuring everything over the last few months, I decided to stop using this as my giveaway and put it back out into the universe as a available ebook. So it is back out there. It's in Kindle Unlimited also, if anybody wants to go check that out. Yeah. And real quickly, before we get to this week's book reviews, we want to talk about some of the media we've been consuming, specifically some of the TV shows we've been watching. This week, we checked out the documentary that has come out about the making of Eastsiders. Of course, we adore Eastsiders. We've talked about it numerous times on this show. Most recently, just a couple weeks back, talking about season four, the final season of the show that had come out on Netflix. This 40-minute documentary that premiered on YouTube this past week really goes behind the scenes for the first time. Creator Kit Williamson, alongside some of the cast, talk about their experiences working on the show. Kit talks about why he developed the show and what it's meant to all of them over these six or seven years that they've been creating this show. And it was great to hear all of these stories and see some really early footage from like the shooting of season one and the Kickstarter campaigns around season one. It was a really delightful documentary that I'm glad we got to see. Also this past week, we partook of the new spinoff series, 911 Lone Star. And if you cannot tell from the title, this is the brand new entry in the, I guess, the 911 shared universe. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's at least a franchise now that there's two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we gave it a try. I saw some stuff online and it made me curious. Jeff is actually a fan of 911 proper. He's been watching that one since the very beginning. But there was something about the commercials for this particular show. It made me want to jump in, and I'm very glad we did. If you haven't watched the premiere yet, it essentially focuses on the main character played by Rob Lowe. He is a New York firefighter. 
who is tasked with going to Austin and building a local firehouse from scratch after most of its members have died in an unfortunate accident. And that's really sort of the the basis for the whole series, the sort of the outsider coming in, making big sweeping changes. It's really fun. It's very interesting. There is a wide-ranging, wonderfully diverse cast that I fell in love with absolutely immediately. The cast also features Liv Tyler. She is the essentially the head EMT. Part of her storyline focuses on the disappearance of her sister and trying to find out what happens there. Also, one of the main reasons I decided to give this show a try is, is that Roblo's son, who is also a firefighter, is gay. And the show sort of tackles his new life living in Texas. He actually, very early on in the premiere, he hooks up with one of the other EMTs. And when that EMT wants to take it from friends to benefits with to uh, something a little bit more, he quickly puts the, the brakes on that. And I think it'll be interesting to see how his storyline develops as well. Yeah, I really love the diverse cast, as you mentioned, that they've got here. This new firehouse also features a Muslim woman who got recruited from Florida and also a transgender black man. There's a scene in what's essentially episode two of the pilot. They've been called out to a house because this woman's all incensed about some, some cooking that's going on in the backyard. And she turns out to be like this really terrible racist bigot. And as she tries to fake having this heart attack, she decides that she doesn't want any of them touching her because they all reveal who they are to her. It was a perfect moment to really kind of hit some of the topics I think they'll be dealing with in this show. So I'm glad you got me into it. I wasn't going to go to the spinoff, but big thumbs up on it because it's really good so far. Also this past week, we got a special sneak peek of a project that's going to be unveiled to the public very soon. As many of you know, this past year in Albuquerque at GRL, Charlie David was there shooting a documentary, uh, a show that was uh, slated for Canadian television. And we got to see the rough cut of the episode. Yes, we got to see this rough cut of what will become an installment in the Outspoken series. I had every confidence that Charlie was going to create something really wonderful from this. And I was really blown away by the story that this documentary assembled from the GRL weekend. In everything that's gone on in this genre over the last six months to a year, it really re-energized me and reminded me so wholeheartedly why I love being a part of this community. And I think it's going to be really exciting when the documentary premieres later this year for everyone to see it and go, mm, yes, this is why we read what we read and we do what we do as authors and as you know, pr industry professionals in this community, because it, it just really captured everything so beautifully. And on top of all that, the, the tribute that it pays also to Ethan Day, who of course is one of the founders of GRL and an author in this industry who passed away in 2018, just was really a nice cherry on the top of that wonderful documentary. So thank you to Charlie for, first of all, for undertaking this project. And second of all, for showing it to us, we have essentially a sort of blink and you'll miss it cameo. So that was kind of him to give us early access. And we really loved it. 
I think everyone is going to be very pleased when they see it. Yeah, and we'll keep you up to date on uh, when its premiere is going to happen, and we'll probably have Charlie back on the show to talk about it at the same time as well. One other note of media from this week, friend of the podcast, Jason T. Gaffney, had an exciting announcement that he has signed a deal with, I think it's Deku, to create a new LGBT comedy series called Marriage of Inconvenience. Can't wait to see what Jason comes up with here. We've seen his comedy chops, you know, on display in the movie Analysis Paralysis. We've seen it in some of the books that he writes and really looking forward to what he does, getting the chance to produce a series. Uh, If you want to check out our most recent chat with Jason, you can catch him in episode 180 when he was here with his out-of-body co-star Kevin Held. They talked to us about that movie, Out of Body. And if you haven't seen Jason's movie, Analysis Paralysis, you can actually check that out on Deku right now. In The Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knauss, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a great school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before, and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart at Amazon.com. All right, so we both did a lot of reading this week, and I'm going to get us kicked off. When Frankie Meets Johnny has lurked on my TBR since I met Zio Axelrod uh, back in July and got that book from her, I'm so glad I finally got to this short story because I totally fell for this story about Philadelphia DJ Frankie, who happens to be a Scottish expat, and John, a contractor renovating a studio at the radio station that Frankie works at. Now, initially, Frankie bristles at having Johnny at the station. Frankie works the late shift, and he very much relishes the alone time to spin the records he loves for his audience. But he also gets why this work needs to be done in the overnight, so he just deals with it. What he's not quite ready for, though, is John. He is this gorgeous man who Frankie cannot stop looking at through the studio glass. So John, who Frankie falls right into calling Johnny or John Boy, is this quiet, He's a little bit mysterious, and he seems to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. The two manage to form a cautious friendship, though, as Frankie starts to play music based on John's mood of the night. Now, this is a very interesting quirk of Frankie's that I really adored. He doesn't take requests for specific songs. Instead, you get to tell him your mood, and then he'll play the right songs that kind of fit that. The slow burn of Frankie melting away Johnny's layers of defense was delicious. It started with music to fill Johnny's nights at the station, and it moved on to the guys hanging out away from work, whether it was for lunch or maybe a walk. They even ran into each other at an event. Now, there's a piece of Johnny, though, that is always a bit of an arm's length away, and at times he can be downright mean about keeping his privacy. Now, Frankie, though, is extremely tenacious and continues to push to get to know this man who he is so drawn to. And he finds that he's more drawn to Johnny than he ever was to his ex, Garrett. Now, these poor guys go through a hell of a dark moment when Johnny suddenly leaves with no explanation. Although it turns out there's a very good reason that he goes. You know, and Frankie is still left pining for this man because he can't shake Johnny, even as Garrett makes a play to get Frankie back. 
Now, of course, he doesn't get back with Garrett, and Johnny does come back. And this short story ends with a very good happy for now. If all goes well, hopefully Zio is going to have more from these two to bring it to a full HEA because I really need more of these guys. Now, not only did I love Frankie's tenacity for going after Johnny, Frankie's love of music brought me into this story, and Zio did such an amazing job with this aspect. As a teenager, I wanted to be a DJ. I actually had a mixing board from Radio Shack, and I loved making mixtapes with it so I could smoothly transition the songs. I also love vinyl records and truly miss them in this digital age. Zio created a radio station full of records, even though I don't think those exist very much these days. Plus, Frankie wanted to be a music journalist, and that really brought me back because I actually wanted to do that with my life when I was a teenager and in college. So there's some really nice nostalgia wrapped up in this story for me as well. Now, beyond all the music stuff, I think Zio is an ace with descriptions. I love the vividness of the entire story, how Frankie and Johnny look, how the, the music made them both feel, the places they went, and even how they moved with each other. There's a scene where they are walking along a canal that is not only super sweet as they actually get into some of the deeper discussions about each other's lives, but the description of the place and their body language was simply perfect. So I adored When Frankie Meets Johnny, and I hope that sequel comes sooner than later. And in general, I look forward to reading more from Zio Axelrod, too, because I am totally hooked on the storytelling. Now, switching to a completely different vibe, I also picked up book two in Gregory Ash's Borealis Investigation series with Triangulation. No one's going to be surprised when I say that I love this book, because I have a feeling that Greg can do no wrong by me. However, I will say he really pushed it on this one because it has the biggest cliffhanger of any of the eight books of his that I've read. Now, I've mentioned before that I'm okay with cliffhangers. I didn't have a problem at all with what Layla Rain did in the Fog City series, but the triangulation cliffhanger knocked me for a big loop and had me cursing Greg for a moment. Thankfully, book three is already out, so no waiting is required, except for the reason that I'll actually get to in a moment. As usual, there's a lot going on in this book, and I really get into the way that Greg weaves so many plots together to make an excellent whole. Of course, there's a major case in this book. We've got Shep Collins, who runs a local LGBTQ youth halfway house. He used to run a conversion therapy center, but he left that behind when he finally came out. Now he's married to a man, runs the halfway house, and is prominent in the St. Louis gay community. But he goes missing and then turns up dead. So, of course, the questions are, who did it and why? You know, was this a revenge for what he had done in his past? Was it something to do with money? Sean North really have their work cut out for them here. And in this case, they have no idea who they can actually trust because they seem to be working a little bit even against the police. This is another twisty-turny Gregory Ash mystery that is so wonderfully intricate and, as usual, I couldn't figure it out before they broke the case. Now, for a break from all that heavy action, North takes on the case of why one local gay guy has been losing his brunch guests to a competing brunch. It's a completely ridiculous scenario, but a very welcome bit of relief as North gets to the bottom of it. The whole thing was hilarious, too, because I could kind of imagine this happening in some circles as well. Brunch is very serious business. It really is, right? And who comes to your brunch is a very serious matter. (laughs) 
Now, the centerpiece to all this is actually at a brunch, where there is a cameo from none other than Hazard and Somerset in a piece of business that comes after Criminal Past, which is the final book in that first Hazard and Somerset arc. It was great seeing these two together, and it also provided just the teeniest little glimpse at Hazard's past in St. Louis, too. Now, for our two detectives, North and Shaw, there's a lot going on besides the cases. Shaw is having major flashbacks on his encounter with the West End Slasher, and some investigating he's doing on his own has some very unexpected turns. Plus, his relationship with North evolves as North makes the right call to leave his terrible, 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 I can't emphasize terrible enough, husband. North and Shaw are so broken in similar and different ways, and not getting together in college has really impacted them for years. Greg writes these two with such complexity, and it all binds together so amazingly well. The way that these two work together, the way that these two interact when they're not working, when they're trying to comfort each other, and also, frankly, when they're being assholes to each other. It's just all so awesome. And the banter between them is just priceless. Shaw and North end up dealing with so much of their stuff here that it's amazing that there's room for any other story. But, of course, Greg balances all of this in a well-crafted but very messy package. And I do mean messy here in the best way possible. The wonderful discovery of this book was Charlie David as a narrator. I adore what Tristan James does in the Hazard and Somerset series, and it's great to find Sean North in such capable hands with Charlie. He nails all of it, and in particular that banter I mentioned that Sean North have. Charlie just does it so perfectly that it's, it's fantastic. And here's where the weight comes in that I mentioned before. Uh, I'm going to have to wait for Charlie to get book three narrated, which a little birdie has told me he's starting work on very soon. I can't do these books now uh, without him doing the performance in the same way that I have to have Tristan do Hazard and Somerset for me. So if thrillers and a slow burn love story with some really messed up characters sorting out their lives and solving crime is your thing, and it really should be, you need these books. So I certainly recommend Triangulation and the Borealis Investigation series from Gregory Ash. So what have you got for us this week? Well, here's the thing. First of all, I want to admit that I have several Avery Ford books in my TBR. And by several, I mean like a whole damn lot. And I've (laughs) never actually taken the opportunity to sit down and read them. But this past week, I finally righted a... (laughs) Very big wrong, and I dove into Avery Ford's new series. Trust Me is, frankly, a terrific short read, and it is the first in the Love in New York series by this author. And it's about nice guy Milo, who's busy climbing the corporate ladder of a large-scale forestry conglomerate. And he is tasked with convincing a recluse in upstate New York to sell his land. And though this guy has rejected every single offer, Milo drives up into the mountains, confident that he is the guy who can close the deal. But Milo's trip takes an unexpected turn when an incoming storm causes an accident. Milo hits a burly mountain man trudging through the snow. Now, Jax is a little battered and bruised from this experience, but is okay once he's able to rest in the cabin that he calls home. 
It quickly becomes apparent that Milo, the cute city boy who hit him, works for the company that wants to buy his land. Now, it's certainly not an ideal situation, but since the storm has trapped them together in the cabin for the foreseeable future, Jax makes the effort to get to know the guy. And Milo's pretty great, despite who he works for. They spend the night cuddled in the same bed, for warmth, of course, and our, <laughs> and our heroes definitely heat things up. The next morning, neither one of them has any regrets, and as they talk, Jax realizes that Milo has no idea how the company he works for is destroying the forest. So he shows Milo the nearby logging camp and the devastation that they've left behind. With the weather finally cleared, the road down the mountain should be safe enough for Milo to return to the city. And if this is going to be their last night together, then Milo and Jax are going to make the most of every last second. And boy, howdy, do they. (laughs) In the morning, Jax wants to ask Milo to stay, but they have such different lives that wanting more is like completely unrealistic. Back in the city, Milo goes into work and tells his boss that the deal hasn't been made and that he knows what's going on up on the mountain. Milo now has to decide what he really wants, a job in the big city or a life with a sexy mountain man by his side. Um, Since this is a romance, (laughs) Milo's decision shouldn't come as any great shock. Guys, it's really no surprise that I love this book. Stranded in a Mountain Cabin is one of my all-time favorite tropes, and Avery Ford uses it to great effect in this story. I also really enjoy the chemistry between Milo and Jax. In each other, they find something that they didn't know was missing, which is something I always enjoy reading, that special kind of, I guess you'd call it a romantic awakening. If I were in the habit of swooning, I would definitely do it over these two and their irresistibly like sexy, sweet love story. And since I enjoyed Trust Me so much, I immediately dove into the next book in the series called Believe Me. The last thing that big, surly, mostly straight bar owner Drew Bryant wants to do is take part in a charity bachelor auction. But Alex, Drew's brother, who is in charge of the event, reminds him that it's all for a good cause. The auction is going to raise much-needed funds for the LGBT center. Nice guy Shane is looking forward to the charity event. I mean, his best friend is organizing it after all. And Alex asks Shane to bid on his brother, explaining how skittish Drew already is, and it would be just too damn awkward if Drew got up on stage and there were no takers. The night of the big event, Shane gets in a bidding war for Drew and ends up winning the auction. They make plans to go on their date the following night, and Drew feels a little bit strange making plans with a guy, even if it is just like a fake date, but Shane seems nice and is awfully handsome, so what could go wrong? As it turns out, absolutely nothing. The dinner date goes perfectly, and Drew finds that he is really into Shane, like really into him, so much so that he even kisses Shane goodnight. And after dropping Shane off at home, Drew decides that one kiss just isn't going to be enough, and he texts if he can come over. Shane says yes. They're not really sure what the chemistry between them means, but it's not something that they're going to deny. Afterwards, they make plans for a real date, which goes even better than the first. 
Drew later spending the night with Shane and let's say they intimately explore the uh, crazy hot attraction that they have. Alex calls up Shane to see how the date has gone. And unable to lie to his like best friend, Shane ends up telling him just how well things have gone with Alex's straight brother. This then prompts Alex to have a serious conversation with his big bro. Alex, it turns out, is fine with whatever their relationship ends up being. He just wants to make sure that neither his brother or his best friend gets hurt. A relationship, it turns out, is exactly what Drew wants. But this is a revelation that comes just before Shane decides to call things off. Well, if they're going to break up, Drew wants to hear it directly from Shane. So he explains that it was just a fear of getting hurt. Shane admits that he is really into Drew. And since Drew is really into Shane, everything works out for the best. There's a short epilogue at the end showing our two heroes a few months into their new relationship. The first date may have been fake, but the love that they share now is most definitely real. Just like the first entry in this series, Believe Me is a really terrific blend of like sweet and sexy romance tropes featuring two heroes who are genuinely likable and so relatable. Though they fall for one another pretty quickly, I think Drew and Shane's love is believable, and I'm really looking forward to the next book in this series. I have a pretty good feeling that it's going to be Alex who finds love next, and I honestly, I cannot wait. If you're interested in learning more about the books or anything else we talked about in this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 225 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. This past week, I got to talk with Macy Blake. Now, she's wrapping up her Chosen One series with the final book in that that is going to be coming out on February 4th. We talked about the universe, about all the interlocking stuff she's got going on here, and it was a really great interview, so let's go listen to that. I am excited to welcome Macy Blake back to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's really fun to see you again. I have missed you. I haven't seen you in quite a while. It has been a while, and and we're excited to have you here to talk about a big finale you've got coming up. I am so excited. This has been my passion project for the past year and a half. It's called The Chosen One Series, and book five, the final book, is called Stop at Nothing, and it will be out on February 4th, so about a week. So we're, we're getting close. Yeah, we're going to have that exciting pre-order in the show notes so that people can go grab it and be ready for it to drop into their Kindle that day. And with an all-new look for... Um, Readers who haven't, who aren't in my Facebook group, I have rebranded the entire series for the finale. So I'm revealing a whole new set of covers that will be launching for all of the books in the series. So I'm very excited for the everyone to get to see the new look and the new Sawyer, who's the main character. He's it's it's very cool. So and those covers looked so good to begin with. That you know, it's really funny. You know, we've. You know, I'm like my quirky little self, but I just was ready for something new. And I found this like concept that I was really excited about. And I was sort of toying with it maybe for the idea for a box set or, you know, something like that. Maybe once the series was complete. And then my cover artist, who has been my one of my closest friends for almost 20 years, 
she said, you know, I have this idea for the final book. What do you think if, and it was the same idea. So I knew it was meant to be. So I was super excited and I, I just let her go with it. And, and it is so beautiful. I'm very excited for it. For people who don't know, tell us about the Chosen One series and what we're leading up to here in the finale. Well, that's actually a really difficult question to answer because it's crazy spoilers. And for anybody who is not familiar with me, I loathe spoilers. Like, it's my least favorite thing. I don't want to be spoiled. I don't want to spoil anyone. I, I do quite enjoy taunting my readers and teasing them quite, quite horribly. They call me the, the queen of edging. I don't like to tease everybody so much. But what I can tell you is that it is a poly romance where a human finds out about the supernatural world and come to find out he has eight mates and they're all paranormal creatures. And he has a special role to play that there is a prophecy for the chosen one who is my main character, Sawyer, and he has to restore the balance of magic in the magical world. So the magic is broken and nobody knows why, but they've been waiting for this prophecy for this chosen one and his guardians to be revealed and now is the time and Sawyer has arrived. So he's been through this journey now for the first four books of finding his mates and his guardians and getting all of the pieces in place and finding out the secrets in his past and, and his what really is going on. And now we're at the finale where it's do or die. He either has to fix it or he's going to lose everything. So I wonder which way it'll go. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Having a romance at its core, I have an idea where it's going to go, but you know, you could. You, you know, could... I do believe in happily ever after. So, you know, I don't think anybody has too much to be afraid of, except for my best friend, Amy, because I've already promised her that I'm going to kill a character for her. So, you know, hopefully it won't be anyone else's favorite character, but somebody has to die just so I can torment my best friend. So, <laughs> And if that person is your favorite character, listeners out there, just get in touch with Amy. Yeah, I know. You guys can It's all her fault. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a great time writing these books because we've talked about it on and off since you yeah. started them. Yeah. What is it about these that makes you so happy with them? I think because it's been a passion project that was building for a number of years. A lot of times I'll get an idea and I write the book and then I publish the book. And then it's moving on to the next book and you have the idea and you got, and it's almost like this, you're just churning out the idea and there, you don't really get enough time to savor it. This series has been something that I had the idea for it many years ago and I started gathering ideas and I was doing all of this research. The, I had it all sort of plotted out, but it wasn't quite right. And I just kept working on it and I kept building it. And whenever I was having trouble with the book that I was working on at the time, I would go open that notebook and I would start making notes and I would take things apart. So it's something that built all of the research and the world building had been years in the making. And so I had this incredible foundation of research and character ideas and plot points and that all right there ready. And I can't tell you how freeing that has been just to have these ideas. And I can flip through that notebook if I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm stuck for an idea. I don't know what to do in this spot. And I can flip through my notebook and I'm like, oh, I forgot that I had this idea three years ago. And, you know, <laughs> 
So it's made it a lot of fun to be able to like just put all of those pieces together. And I've never had a series like that before in a world like that before where I was just able to keep building it because I had been working on it for so long, just as sort of a passion project that I honestly never thought I would write it. And then one day I was like, the the idea came to me and I was like, that's the answer. And it was that there were all of the guardians were Sawyer's mates. That was the actual point. And I was like, can I do that? That's a whole lot of arms and legs to keep up with. But I just, I knew it was the right answer and I knew it was worth the, the risk to try it. And so I started trying to write it and it just, I wrote 40,000 words of the first book in the week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew, I knew, <laughs> I knew that it was right. And so, and it, and it's just kept, it's just kept going. I just love to dive into the world. And you now the editing is, is less fun keeping up with all those arms and legs, mm. but it's a whole lot of fun for the creative process. How is the series changed for you since you first started figuring all this out now to where you're closing out book five? Did it end where you thought it would end or did it just keep yeah, morphing and evolving? The, I've known the end since the beginning. I knew what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. Um, I have been very much surprised by some of the things that have happened on the journey that I did not know. There's been a couple characters that snuck up on me. Uh, for example, in the Hellhound series, Nick, who is Sawyer's older brother, I was not expecting him to be such a dynamic character. He was just going to be this sort of placeholder character that like filled this role that I needed, Sawyer needed, and a big brother character for, you know, as the story went. And I wasn't expecting for Nick to then have his own book. And so Give Him Hell is actually Nick's love story. And I wasn't expecting that to happen. So it's, it's pretty crazy that it's, that things like that have surprised me, but the actual plot of the chosen books I've known from the beginning. That's cool. Are you, I can't remember, and I should, because we've talked about this. Are you a plotter or a pantser? Or in the yes, middle? Yes, I'm in the middle. I plot usually major plot points, but I don't, I don't go, like, I don't outline. I don't go, like, chapter by chapter. I do sometimes, once I'm really in the book, um, in the midst of it, I'll, I'll outline a little bit more. But pretty much, I like to see what's going to happen. And almost always there's chapters that I want or things that happened in the book that I wasn't planning. So mm -hmm. pretty heavily pantser to be honest with you. And yet I've known a five book series since I started writing and I knew how it ended. So plotter and pantser, I, I don't know both. You're sitting right there in the middle somewhere for sure. <laughs> I know I really am. Like I do a lot of planning, but I don't actually outline. So I like fall somewhere in the middle, I think. What is it about these books, do you think, that's resonated so much with readers? Because these have been quite successful. I, you know, I think that it's it's a kind of that tale as old as time sort of thing where it's the human who finds out about the paranormal world and has this grand adventure. And, you know, there's really everything that you could think of would be in there. I've got dragons. I've got vampires. I've got, you know, wolf shifters. I have lion shifters. I have hellhounds. I have dryads, the fae are in there. Pretty much I've used world mythology and pulled in pieces from, you know, all the mythology that I've studied over the years and that, that pepper it in there. And I think that a lot of the humor resonates because Sawyer is just, 
he's kind of goofy and he he's just silly and he's like when he finds out that there are dragon that his best friend is a dragon he's like you know he wants him to light his marshmallow on fire so he can make a s'more like these <laughs> kind of, you know. and i think that readers really appreciate that i think that they they appreciate that humor because a lot of them would would say oh yeah i can i get that <laughs> i get that that's a good idea you know so i think the humor and i think that the the sort of idea that it's all fantastic and just finding out the mystery I think a lot of the readers have just been like on the edge of their seat trying to figure out the the, the puzzle and, and try to figure out the, the secrets. So I've been yelled at quite a number of times <laughs> for some of the the, the things that I've, I've done to my poor characters, but it's fun. You mentioned that the Hellhound series actually connects to this world. Mm. How did that whole thing spin off with Hellhound Champions? It was, again, it was one of those things I was developing once I decided that Sawyer was going to have eight mates. I was working on that idea. And in the meantime, I was like, this is going to be a big universe. And I thought I wanted to write a hellhound book because I, the only hellhounds that I had ever seen were from Supernatural, the TV show, mm -hmm. and they were scary creatures. And I was mm -hmm. like, what, what are sexy creatures? So I just thought it would be fun. And I thought, I'm going to write some Hellhounds for fun. And then it'll be great. That's what I'm going to do. Right? That, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be fine. So I did that, and then it ended up being part of the universe. And I was like, well, but Sawyer needs a character who can do this. And I happen to have these Hellhounds who can do this. And so I ended up writing... At the same time, I was writing Chosen, the first book, so All or Nothing. I realized while I was writing that that I had another story in my vault of story ideas where I had one of the main characters' name was Henry. And that story had stalled, and I had never been able to finish it. So Henry ended up being the main character of Chosen, and he was one of the children in Sweet Nothings, which is the prequel to Chosen. And he had a powerful uncle in the book who was able to protect him. And that uncle became Meshach the Hellhound. All over the course of like three weeks of trying to fit a bunch of the different ideas that I had. So it, it, it was like it was all meant to be all of those things that I had started building and were was cooking in the background of my mind. It was like, oh, it's all the same universe. Okay, that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> and Hellhound is now a three-book series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you did co-write. I did, yes. Casey and I have been basically writing buddies since I first wrote my very first book. And we were, we when I wrote Mind Magic, she was writing her first book. under She was writing under a different name at the time. And so we, we've been together for years, just we'll pop online. How many words did you get today? Oh, can you read this scene for me? I can't, you know, and so it was really fun. And when, and Nick, Nick's book is the one and that character spoke to her and I was talking about writing his book and she was like, oh, I think this might be fun. Can, can we do it? You know? And, and I was like, it was the first time in several years that she had really been excited about writing. She worked full time. And wasn't didn't really have as much time to write. And so I was like, let's do it together. So it was a lot of fun being able to write a book with one of my oldest friends, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. She's actually going to be um, launching a spinoff series 
to the universe, but she's put her own spin on it. So we'll let you, we'll keep you guys posted for when that's going to be coming out, probably at some point this year. Look at you creating a universe that other people get to play in. That's, I know. That's incredible yeah. in and of itself. But only if you're one of my oldest friends. Nobody else is going to get that. Nobody <laughs> else gets this. <laughs> is there more to come in Hellhound at this point? I haven't decided. That That's the trick question. I do have loose plans for a fourth Hellhounds book. But what I'm, t- what I'm kind of torn over is that I want to use those characters in other books and other series in the universe. So I, right now I'm debating whether or not to put out a fourth Hellhound book or to put the Hellhounds as main characters in one of the other spinoff series that I'm creating in the universe. There will be more Hellhounds and there will be more Hellhound love stories. I'm just not sure that it will be under the Hellhound series umbrella. Does that make sense? It does. Watch that explanation. It sounded very complicated. You, and you mentioned more spinoffs for Chosen One. Do you, yeah. What can you tease us out about that, perhaps? Well, I have currently four new series started in the universe. I have plans to release two of them in 2020. For those of you who have read the Hellhounds books... I have mentioned Nick multiple times. He's been such a dynamic character and a fan favorite. So, spoiler alert, Nick ends up being the guardian of a number of children. I'll be very vague so that I'm not too spoilery. But I thought that it would be a fun twist for there to be a little magical mayhem involved in those children finding their forever homes. And so the series is called Magical Mates, and there is some magical intervention involved to get these children and their parent there to help them find their parents, but to help their parents find each other as well. So those I have two novellas that will be coming out in the spring to start that universe and just to see. I want to kind of see if people are interested in it. I think it's it's fun, but, you know, I want to see what my readers think about it. And then the big series for 2020 is going to be The Coven. So The Chosen Coven will be launching in May, I think. I'm not 100% sure when the first one is scheduled. I don't remember. But all four books in that series are planned for 2020. So that'll be my big 2020 push is getting those four done. So that'll be The Coven that has helped throughout the books. They are, they're going to each get their own series. So, um, yeah, they're on. I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I've already started working on them. So I'm like, I'm in the world of all the elementals and doing the elemental magic. And it's a lot of fun. So. Did you see from the start in that notebook that it, this was going to grow to be so many books in such an interlocked universe? Was that the hope or did it no, just No, it wasn't the hope. It wasn't even like, honestly, it wasn't even what I wanted. Like I... I had this idea that I would just churn out these these sort of similar series, but with different sort of creatures. And so that I could say, okay, well, the mythology of the Fae is so unique. How would a, a group of Fae be different from a pack of werewolves? I love that sort of differences. And then to think, oh, well, what would happen if you paired a werewolf with a Fae? What would that what would that look like? And so a lot of my research that I did was really just like pulling in those pieces 
of, well, what, what about this? And what's unique? And what's something that I haven't seen before? But then what are those tried and true tropes that I really love? And like all my werewolves have to have to be this, you know, certain thing or I, and so I didn't think that it would be one giant universe. I thought that I would write about my werewolves and one of them might have a fae mate. And then I would write about the fae and, you know, maybe it was the same group, like family of fae or the same realm, but it wouldn't be really connected. Yeah, I know that didn't happen <laughs> at this point. Like there's so many characters and there's so many potential series that, you know, I already have my writing schedule through 2021 and it's in this universe. So as long as everybody keeps reading them, I'll keep writing them because I just have a lot of fun with it. That's really cool. And yeah, your plan's fun. so far out because you've already mentioned like six books coming this year. Mm-hmm. So I assume you've got another four to six out there in 2021. Yeah, the, the ones for 2021 is another, it's a smaller pack that is a, a made family. I'll, I won't spoil it too much, but once you've read Stop at Nothing, you'll, you'll know who the made family is. But it's the family that you choose. And so that's going to be the the stories of a family that you choose. And they're going to be a little bit more of a, a adventure. You know, it'll be a little bit more, a little bit of suspense in those. There's a little bit more, you know, danger in there. Well, not more danger because, you know, the, the chosen, there's plenty of danger in the chosen universe. But I think there's going to be a little bit more suspense to those, the way they're they're feeling right now. But, of course, I haven't started writing those yet. Not even <laughs> I'm that crazy to write that far out. <laughs> And of course, there's always going to be a good HEA thrown in there too. Oh yes, always, always, always. Got to have your happily ever afters. And I think that's what's fun about this universe is when you have favorite characters, you never know where they're going to turn up. And so even there, there's a character in the Hellhounds books that everyone really liked. And over the course of the series, I was able to give him his happily ever after. And he makes an appearance in one of the magical mates books with his wife and you know it's like you still get to see those characters and you get to see their journeys because they're still part of the world it's so cool it's it's been so fun to do and so when readers say oh i really miss this character i'm like well i'll I'll give him a little mention let's let's check in on him and so it's been fun to be able to do that and not have to say goodbye you know you've Never had this long of a series slash universe before, but we see it happening all the time. I mean, obviously, Lucy Lennox has her massive Mm -hmm. universe and Charlie Cochet has her big universe. Mm How does it feel to be a caretaker of that sizable chunk of of material? It's overwhelming. I have a lot of help. I have... I actually killed the same character twice on accident. And so my readers actually figured that out for me. I really didn't like that character. So I killed her twice. I fixed it. My readers actually caught it in in the arc form. And they were like, but didn't you kill her already? And I was like, I sure did. So it is a lot to keep up with. But I have a, a big support system in place to help me keep it all together. And I have a fantastic editing team who helps me keep track. Because it's really hard when you're dealing with this many characters like you know just keeping their eye color straight it just seems like so silly but like that i probably have 150 characters in this universe at this point just from all even the little side characters you know that that get barely a mention but it's i have to remember them because they're gonna show up at some point you know so it's 
it's a lot, but I, I'm loving it. It's, it's the kind of, I think it's the kind of books that I like to read. Mm -hmm. You know, I was mentioning to somebody recently, Carol Lynn, her Cattle Valley series. It's this great series about a small town and you can just go back and pop in and then you're back in the town and you're back with those characters. And, you know, you're these guys, these guys are going to go out to dinner at the local restaurant and they're going to be sitting at the table next to the characters from three books ago that you fell in love with. And there was something so inspiring about that. I don't remember how many books that series has in it, but it's a whole bunch of books. It's in the 20s, possibly into the 30s. It's a huge series. And I just love that. And, and I love being able to see those characters that you know, you saw five or six books ago and now you get a mention of them and you get to see that they're still happy and there's something really special about that and it's exciting. You put out another set of books last year, The Triad of Magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us about those books. So it was really fun because these were actually the first books that I ever wrote. It what started as pretty much a dare um, of sorts. A friend of mine... I know, right? <laughs> a friend of mine and I read Paranormal Romance together, and we were always talking about the books that we were reading, and he said, he and his partner were raising a child, and he said, I wonder what it would be like to have a shifter kid. Like, what would a shifter kid be like? And I was like, I could write that. And his birthday was coming up, so I wrote this little thing for him, and I didn't think anything of it. And Turns out that, you know, he really liked it. And he was like, you know, you should get this book published. And I was like, oh, thanks. You're sweet. I just, I'm glad you liked it. But he kept on at me. And so I I had them published. They first came out in 2012 and 13. I think the first book, first book was 2012. And then the, the final book, I believe, was out in 2013, possibly early 2014. And that was the end of it. And then middle of last year, I ended up getting the rights back for those books and I was like, well, what am I going to do with them? Because they were, there's the, like my first books. They're like my babies. I got to do something. And I had one of my Macy readers who happened to know both of my pen names. And she was like, you should just put them out as Macy because your readers are going to love them. And I was like, can I do that? Is that weird? I talked to my readers about it and they were like, no, give us the books. Like, stop. Like, so I did. I published my books under the first pen name that I that I published under. I republished them as Macy, and that's the Triad of Magic. And it's been so fun for those books that were like, like when you you know if, when you ask somebody what their favorite book is that they've written, you know, it's sort of like that first book always has a really special place in your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's that world for me, the the mind magic, and that was my first attempt at, at this type of a universe. So it's kind of funny to see now how far I've come in that, you know, nine years that it was really special to see that one, that those books still resonated and two, to see that, yeah, now I'm writing this even bigger universe and it's just fun. You know, it's fun to see how you get where you, where you're at. And that was a great opportunity for me to be able to experience that with my readers. Do you think you'll visit that series again or, well, I into your new that. series. <laughs> I, I've sort of teased that I would try to figure out a way to like loop it into the chosen universe because everything seems to come back to that. But I don't think I am. I I really did a lot of soul searching about it, and I thought about adding another story to the end. But I like them the way they are. They're special the way they are, 
And I don't want to touch that. That was, those were my first babies and I'm proud of them the way they are. And I, I, I want to leave that as I originally created it and not try to tinker with it. I, I, I think that it's best the way I had originally intended. And, you know, I've got a lot to keep me busy. So I, I, but I'm really tempted to write another one, but I, I just don't think my heart says to they, they were special for what they are and what they were. And I need to leave that and, you know, leave it be. Okay. Yeah, I, I know. understand how that goes. Yeah. I, I, I feel, I've thought about it quite a bit. So we've talked a lot about the future already. Is there anything else out there in the world of Macy Blake we should be teased about? There's always stuff to be teased about in the world of Macy Blake. I think for, I like to give readers different experiences based on where they are with me. So if you are on my newsletter, you see things that you don't necessarily see if you follow me on Facebook. And if you follow me on Facebook, you may not see things that are in my group. I try to give people different little short stories and deleted scenes, little shorts of characters that I don't have a full novel idea for, but that I, I know I want to give a little happily ever after to. I have might possibly, possibly have a couple of those planned for this year. I also have a very, a very good, let's shall we say, <laughs> deleted scene that'll be coming up that'll be only for if you follow me on either my newsletter or my, my Facebook group. So, you know, there's a lot of like secrets in my world that I, I love to give bonuses um, and teasers to people that my group has already seen the cover of the, the new series, the new launch, the, the rebranding. And they've also already seen several like scenes from the teaser scenes from the book. So, you know, that's, I would say like, that's the big thing for readers who aren't following me that you get the most up to date information. And I do Q and A's over there. I'll, I'll probably do a Q and A or a Facebook live after the book launches so that I can answer questions and let people yell at me. Uh, (laughs) All that death and destruction. Somebody's going to want to yell at me. That's the thing about this world is you really don't know what's going to happen next. So there was so much. It was actually, it was one of my readers just reminded me it was actually only supposed to be four books. So nothing gained wasn't in the master plan. It was four books. And but I apparently am very long winded and had a lot of characters. And so I ended up having to squeeze another book in. So nothing gained was was a bonus that wasn't part of the plan. So nice. This universe, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, all this leads to the obvious question of where can people find you online so they can connect into all this good stuff? Yeah, your absolute best place to find me is is in my Facebook group. I check in there usually once a day, if not. <laughs> more than that when I'm when I'm not writing I check in multiple times but when I'm writing I I limit it but that those are that my group is the, the place where people get to see things first I also send out newsletters only when I have news to report so I send out when I have a new release or when something's on sale and, and stuff like that so if you're a reader who only really wants to get like the news and you don't want to see all the memes and all the you know fun dragon pictures and everything that appear in my group then that's where you're going to want to be. I did a poll this week. My, my readers picked the name of my next character. So my next main character, I let them pick their, the name of the character. So that that's going to be fun. And then, you know, just regularly on Facebook, mostly. I am not on Twitter. Sad to say that I, I cannot keep up with Twitter. I'm, you know, I, I am on Instagram as well. I, 
I try to post things when I'm traveling plus some fun little snippets. I'm a, I love Harry Potter. And so I go to universal and the Harry Potter world about once a month. And so I try to post some things from over there. So that, that's, you know, all the all usual, yeah, except for Twitter, <laughs> not on Twitter, everywhere else. <laughs> well, we will link up to that in the show notes page so people can get on board to all of that. And especially so they can, you know, join you in the Facebook group, perhaps as the new book comes out. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be the place to be because we do, we do spoiler chats and I do Facebook lives and Q and A's and, I really try to be present for my readers because I know how important it is to to have that, you know, connection. And, you know, when you want to ask questions, you know, you want to know that your author is going to. Well, I mean, I'm not always going to answer it. Don't get me wrong. Well, but, yeah. you know, I do like to tease and I do like to taunt. So if you like teasing and taunting, please feel free to come <laughs> to my group so that I can tease and taunt you. <laughs> <laughs> That's nope. awesome. Well, Macy, thank you so much for coming and sharing the yeah. finale news with us. I know there's so much big news coming. It's so exciting. And I can't wait for everybody to see, you know, Sawyer and, and his mates and, and how they how they deal with the big finale. <laughs> <laughs> this week's interview transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. We are so genuinely thankful for our patrons. Um, without them, none of this would be possible. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again for Macy for coming to talk to us about her series finale. We had a really good time talking about her universe overall and how she'd really essentially developed her own MCU. In this case, with the M being Macy instead of Marvel. <laughs> Most definitely. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week in episode 226, we're going to be talking with Jordan Castillo-Price about the latest book in her Psychop series. And besides that, we also talk about her ABCs of Spellcraft series, which I know has been a favorite of yours. Oh, most definitely. I enjoy ABCs, and I know that there are like a bazillion fans of Psychop out there, so guys, you are not going to want to miss this. To wrap things up, I just want to remind you that no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.